My name is Trevor Ferris. I'm the children's pastor here at Valley Real Life. Uh, and let me just tell you what that means as a children's pastor. I take really big concepts from the Bible theologically, take really big stories. I work with a team of volunteers, and we condense that down into a bite-sized chunk for kids, and then we teach it in a creative and entertaining way. And so I think one of the worst things you can do is teach the Bible and teach it in a boring way. And so uh, hopefully uh, your kids, when you come, they love it. Uh, and if your kids, if you have kids uh, who have friends who don't go here, I have some really good news for you. In two weeks, we have an event called XP, the Amazing Chemistry Show. And here's what XP is. XP is an opportunity for your kids who already know about Jesus and go to church here to invite their friends to come and hear about Jesus. And we do that through a way where we're going to bring in this guy, Josh Denhart. Uh, he's a chemist, and he is going to uh, blow things up, is really, in a nutshell. We're going to blow things up on stage, have lots of fire, and tell kids about Jesus, uh, and it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic weekend. So you're not going to want your kids to miss it. Here's the cool thing. There are some empty seats in this building, uh, and so if you want to invite your kids' friends, you can invite their parents as well, and they have a place to sit right next to you, and it will be amazing, and Dan will have something to speak to them as well. So... Um, that's what I do. That's who I am. Uh, let's just see. What else do you want to know about me before we get started? Um, I'm awkward. That's important to know before we get any further. <laughs> I'm kind of weird. Um, like when God made Adam, he was like, okay. And, and I don't know if you know this. It says in Genesis that God made Adam. He took a pile of dirt and he was like, I made Adam. He's fantastic. And then he made Eve, and he was like, we're going to take the rib from Adam. And now we made Eve. And then it was like, it's time to make Trevor. Um, we're going to take the Red Robin waitstaff singing happy birthday to you, <laughs> make it into a person, ta-da, um, so in case after church today you see me and you go up and you, you come and talk to me about like the Green Bay Packers and how amazing they are, and, and you walk away from that conversation and go, was that a weird conversation? Yes. And I apologize in advance. It's my fault. Um, I'm just weird. Um, I was recently told that I look like Tom Cruise. Uh, I said, I've never been compared to, to, com, to Tom Cruise before. How did that happen? And, and the response was, well, I mean, he, he also has a cowlick right here in his hair. And so um, me, and, me and Tommy C got that uncontrollable pocket of hair right here in the corner. Um, so what else do you want to know about me? Oh, man. I'm 26. I'm married to my lovely wife, Jordan. Um, she was, she's not here at this service. I'd point her out and make her feel really uncomfortable because um, I do that because I'm awkward. But, um, and and here's, here's the thing is I love, I love to tell the Bible. Like I love to tell stories from the Bible, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, so as we jump into it, let's just do this. Let's just start our morning, uh, and let's pray together, and then we're just going to dive right in. Father God, we love you so much. We're so glad we get to be here, and as we just unpack your word and talk about you and what you have for us. God, I just pray that our, our hearts and our minds would be receptive, that we'd be ready to listen, uh, and that we would just hear you speaking to us, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we are, uh, we are in a series called The Christian Atheist, uh, and, and here's the thing. Those are two words that don't typically go together, Christian and atheist. And so here's what that means. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as though he doesn't exist. You say that you believe in God, but you live as though he doesn't exist. And last week, Dan talked about knowing God. And he used this example of Russell Wilson. He said, you might 
know about Russell Wilson. You might know all of his stats. You might know what colleges he went to. You know his wife's name. You know his kids' names. But you don't really know Russell Wilson. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to take this idea of we don't want to just know about God. We want to know God. And that when you know God, you will begin to fear God. The more you know God, the more that you fear God. And so that's today is we're going to talk about the fear of God, which what a great week to have the children's pastor preach. Um, I want to I want to take a time because because our, our Otis campus, hello everyone, um, they're they're here as well, and they're very confused by all this because the last time that I was allowed to preach, Otis campus didn't exist. Um, <laughs> I preached about two years ago. I went on a suspension, and they said never again. And then and then Dan forgot about my suspension. He was like, Trevor, you want to preach? And so in case you're here, uh, whether you're in this room or in Otis, and you're like, I don't like this guy. That's cool. I'll see you in like two and a half years. Um, <laughs> It's, it just is what it is. Uh, but today, you know, we're going we're to talk about the fear of God. But first, I thought we would just talk about some of like our fears. And so we threw some stuff out on Facebook. I need you guys to know, I am afraid of moths. Like, moths. I call them, I call them demon butterflies. Because they're just like butterflies that leave dust. And butterflies are like, hey, and moths are like, ah. And so I just don't, I just don't do that. Okay. That's just not, it's not how I roll. Uh, but you guys also have some crazy fears. And so I thought we would address some of those. Um, clowns. We put, we put a question on Facebook. What are you afraid of? And within 12 seconds, someone said clowns. And it's like, there was a waiting. There was wait, like someone needs to know. Clowns are terrible. Um, another one. Uh, and this was a common thread. Things in the water. Okay. I'm afraid of, and this is what people said. I'm afraid of sharks. I'm afraid of snakes. One really specific one was, I'm afraid of seaweed wrapping around my ankle and pulling me underwater to my death. <laughs> Dang. What, what a fear. Um, Shannon said she's afraid of public speaking. Uh, that, that's a really common one people have, afraid to get up in front of a large crowd and, and talk to them. Uh, Amanda, Amanda, are you here today? You don't have to raise your... Wait, did, wait what? Amanda? Oh, I thought I heard her. Amanda's afraid of balloons. And the reason I point that out is because I have a personal story of why I'm afraid of moths. And Amanda's story of why she's afraid of balloons has to be amazing. And, and in my mind, I only have my own imagination right now. And it's that she either was at a birthday party that went incredibly rogue, um, or it was a very uncomfortable trip home from Mexico, both of which would lead you to really not like balloons. Someone just got a little bit delayed, but um, I need to know the story, Amanda. Where are you? Um, another one, this one's a little more serious, uh, losing a family member. That was a really common theme, uh, specifically because, just because of who we have on Facebook. It's, it's parents saying losing a child. Um, and one that really stuck out to me was, was one person said, I'm afraid that my child will leave home and never come back again. And that to me could be because of a tragic accident, but could also just be the, like the fear that your child would just decide, you know what? Mom, dad, like, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. And that they would leave. And that's something that is scary to think about. Um, another one was, was failure or not being enough. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of, of taking that step of maybe launching that business and then it doesn't work. And now I can't take care of my family and, and I'm a failure. And those are, those are super big ones. And we're going to talk about those and what God says about that today. Um, but before we get into it, I, I, there's one more. Um, we need to talk about healthy fear. Because 
there are things that you can be afraid of that are totally justifiable. Um, Chris said, I'm afraid of not heights, but fall. She, she made the specification. Not afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of falling from heights. And that's a really healthy fear because what happens if you're not afraid of falling from heights and you get too close to an edge? That's a fear that keeps you safe, healthy, alive. Children learning about hot things. Don't touch that stove. Now, next time, they have a healthy fear of touching the hot stove. It keeps them from getting burnt. Those are good things. Another thing that you should have a healthy fear of um, is Groupon. Does is, is, is anyone? Uh, hold on. What if I just left it there? I was like, you should be afraid of Groupon. All right, moving on. Um, no, here's the thing. I love Groupon. Does anyone here use Groupon? Oh, yeah, we got a pretty good group. I like it. I like it. You're my people. Uh, here's, here's what you need to know about Groupon. It's where you can go and you can buy things that maybe you wouldn't normally buy them, but, hey, they're at a great discount, and I can spend $15 and get $26 worth of tacos, and why would you not do that? But I'm going on a trip in just a few weeks. I'm going to San Francisco, and I said, uh, hey, Groupon, what should I do in San Francisco? That's how I type like this. And I said, what should I do in San Francisco? And it said, you might enjoy laser hair removal. And... <laughs> Yeah, that's what it said. That was, that was its recommendation. I said, nah, 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 I'm not going to do that. And normally, this laser hair removal is only $1,386. Only $1,389 or $86. But today, it's only $89. What a deal. Let me tell you this. If anyone is willing to give you a 94% discount to shoot you with lasers, don't take it. That's not a deal you take. Healthy fear. You'll leave that place looking like a turtle shell, okay? <laughs> Best case scenario is you walk out looking like this. <laughs> no one wants that, right? That's best case. Best case, you don't want that. For those of you who don't get that, that's my boss. Um, suspension, two more years. But now we're going to talk about the fear of God, which is a different kind of fear, okay? The fear of God is, is not a fear that you would cower and hide from or, or one that you would quickly close the browser and not accidentally buy laser hair removal. The fear of God is this. It's where you have an understanding of who God is and how amazing he is and how powerful he is and how much he cares about you and that you would want the same things that he wants, uh, it, it, like this would be a, a math equation for the fear of God. A love for God plus a respect for God equals fear of God. And that the more that you begin to love and respect God, the more you will fear God. And, and a great way to kind of describe this is I'm going to get this giant rubber band here. Um, we're we going to have these two sides right here because it helps, like I said, when you know God, you're going to fear God. When you, the better you know him, the more you'll fear him. And here's what we know about God. He's revealed to us through his word that he is a just God, that, that when you disobey him, there is a consequence. And some people take that really far over here. And they go, okay, so if you make any sort of sin, God will smite you because God hates sin and it's, it's a it's just ugly to him, and you don't want any part of that. And if you make a mistake, then you're going to go to hell. So you need to turn and repent. And if you don't turn, you're going to burn. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's not really who God is. God is just, but that is, that is not who God is. But then people go, well, if he's not that, he must be merciful. God's merciful. 
God's gracious, so I can do whatever I want then, because God will always forgive me. It doesn't matter. God made me this way. I can do it, because, you know, he's not going to punish me that bad. He's going to forgive me, and so now you have this group over here that's like, turn or burn, and this group's like, it's all good, and what happens is that you have um, this tension as this gets pulled this way, and this other side gets pulled this way, and what happens when you stretch your rubber band too far? It, it, either it snaps or it pulls and pulls and pulls, and then one person lets go, and it hurts. And it hurts. And, and so what, what really is the case is that somewhere between justice and mercy is God living in the tension. And we as a people don't like tension because it hurts. Uh, I have started going back to the gym recently, which was a terrible idea, and I am constantly sore. Because when you go and work out, you are subjecting your muscles intentionally to tension. Like, we're, we're in three or four services right now, and, and as, I, as I pull this, every time I'm getting more and more ripped. Um, and, and as I pull, literally, the muscle fibers in my chest are breaking down. But what's going to happen is that those are going to repair stronger because of the tension. And so what we're going to do today is as we talk about God's justice and God's mercy and who God is and why we should fear him, we're going to have some tension because we're going to be better for it. And, and you're going to sit here for a little bit and possibly go, okay, God, this is awkward, you and me, we have some tension. Or maybe it's you and the person sitting right next to you, and you're going to leave here and over lunch have a really uncomfortable conversation that's going to cause some tension. But you need to have that conversation because you're going to be better for it, and it's going to make you stronger. And, and I learned this um, by meeting a guy by the name of Ronald Cazito. And Ronald, is, uh, he's, a, he's a pastor in Fort Portal, Uganda. And, and I got the chance to go there uh, last summer. And we were hanging out with some orphans. They oversee 500 orphans. And I watched these orphans wait for over an hour to swing on the swing set because they have like 300 kids were there and they only had two swings. And so what happens is that one kid sits this way, and the other kid sits this way, and then they like swing like this, so they get four people at a time on two swings. And I said, how much would it cost to build another swing set? And Ronald said, $600. And I said, well, we can do that. We can do that really easily. And he said, but we really need to build a well in Kanara. The well in Kanara is going to cost about $12,000. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like $600 more than I like $12,000. let us do that. And he goes, right, but the people in Kanara don't have a well, and because they don't have a well, we can't send people there to tell them about Jesus. I said, okay, I understand that but $600 is easier than $12,000. And he said, right, but here's what we do is we go and plant a well and people will line up at the well to get clean water and then we tell them about living water and that's how we tell them about Jesus. And if we don't do that, they're not gonna learn about Jesus. He then, this, this is crazy. He then tells me the story of Kanara. Kanara is a village of cannibals, okay? It's a village of cannibals and a guy in his church said, Ronald, I think we need to go to Kanara. And Ronald went, Maybe not. But, but this, this guy said, no, Ronald, when I was a boy, I used to live in Kanara, and my brother was sacrificed and eaten. And so then we moved away so that no other kids from our family would be sacrificed and eaten. And, and he moved to Fort Portal, and he started going to church, and he met Jesus, and he said, someone needs to go back to Kanara and teach them about Jesus because God loves them and God forgives them, and I need to tell them that I forgive them. And Ronald goes, so we're going to need $12,000 to build a well in Kanara. He said, the kids over here, they already have a swing set. They don't need another swing set. They come, they can wait in line here, but guess what? You know where they wait in line? They wait in line in the grass outside of the church. 
because they already have a church and they already have access to clean water and Kanara has none of that. And here's what Ronald taught me that day, that the quality of your eternal life is more important than the comfort of your current life. The quality of your eternal life is more important than the comfort of your current life. So we need to spend our current life living in a reverent fear of God. 1 Peter 1.17 says it this way. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. Uh, in Proverbs, I love the way that, that they write it. Sol- Solomon, the wisest man ever, wrote this book. And he said, that Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. When you love God and you respect God, then you fear God. When you fear God, you'll hate the things that God hates. Not because that if you don't, you'll get punished, but it's because it's what God hates. Okay? Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom starts with a healthy fear of God. This is the wisest person ever saying this, that wisdom begins when you love and respect God. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a person from the snares of death. It turns a person from the snares of death because when you fear God, then you obey God. When you obey God, it protects you. And so we're going to talk about this, that the greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God through the story of a guy named Abraham. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, that's where we're going to be, so if you want to turn in your Bible there, you can do that. We're actually going to start in Genesis 12, um, but, I'll, but I'll meet you in chapter 22. And so we have this guy named Abraham who was at one point called Abram, um, and he got his name changed, but we're going, to, we're going to call him Abraham the whole time. And Abraham is over here uh, in the book of Joshua. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead. In the book of Joshua, Joshua is giving a speech to the Israelites, and here's what he says. Our father Terah worshipped many gods, and then we fought the bad guys, and God protected us. And then we were attacked by these other bad guys, and the Lord protected us. And we fought these other bad guys. That was like the whole story of Joshua, just like them fighting bad guys. He says, we fought these other bad guys, and God saved us. So you and your family can worship whatever God you would like to choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that little speech starts with Terah and his family worshiped other gods. Now Terah, back into Genesis, has a son named Abraham. So Abraham has has been worshiping many gods. And in Genesis 12, one of those gods says, Abraham, leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. See, Abraham's father has just passed away and there's some upheaval in the family and there's some dysfunction and God knows that dysfunction breeds more dysfunction. He said, I need to pull Abraham out of that. And so he said, Abraham, go. That was his command. Abraham, go. Abraham said, go where? God said, just follow me. I'll tell, I'll tell you when you get there, which is crazy. But Abraham follows. And he, he packs up his stuff and he leaves. And then God says, cool, Abraham, when I said go, you went? That's awesome. Wait. I said, wait for what? And God said, Abraham, you want to have a child? Abraham said, yeah, I want to have a kid. Abraham's 75 years old, doesn't have a kid. And God's like, but well, you're going to have one. And Abraham's like, <laughs> God says, no, you're going to have a child, but you have to wait on my time. And Abraham says, no. See, Abraham and his wife were having trouble getting pregnant, and so they hatched a plan that Abraham would sleep with his wife's servant 
And then she got pregnant and had a baby named Ishmael. Now let's jump back over here into present day. Ishmael, genealogically, is the father of Islam, the, the world religion, Muslims, that exists today. And, and throughout all of history, this has been a source of conflict. Right? It's not our heads. Because this was not God's plan. God said, Abraham, wait. And Abraham didn't wait, and there has been a consequence. And even in the story of Abraham, read it for yourself, that causes some conflict just in his family. And God said, that was not the plan. And so Abraham said, okay, God, I'm sorry, and I will, I will wait. And Abraham waits till he's 100 years old when he finally has a baby. And this baby's name is Isaac. And, and Isaac is just Abraham's everything. He's waited 100 years for this child. And God finally says, here you go. But I need you to do something. I need you to sacrifice your son Isaac. And Abraham goes, What? And God goes, listen, you trusted me to go. When you didn't trust me to wait, you saw what happened. So then you waited longer out of respect for me. And now I need you to love me, respect me, fear me, obey me. And Abraham says, okay. So Abraham packs up his stuff. He packs up his son and some wood, and he gets some servants, and they say, we're going to go to the region of Moriah, and we're going to build an altar, and we're going, to, we're going to go and sacrifice to the Lord. And Isaac says, what are we going to sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. And so they go on their way, and this is, this is where we get into chapter 22. And they go on their way, and Isaac says, oh, yeah, by the way, Dad, Isaac is a teenager at this time, somewhere between 13 and 15. He goes, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide. Hey, servants, wait here. Isaac and I are going to go the rest of the way by ourselves. It leaves, it leaves them behind. It's just the two of them. And Isaac goes, hey, Dad, where's that lamb? Lord will provide. They get up to the top of the mountain. They build an altar. Abraham ties Isaac up and lays him on the altar. Really quick, two things. Isaac is a teenager, and his dad is over 100 years old. If Isaac wants to get away, he can. But Abraham has raised his son to know God and to fear God. And when Abraham says, this is what God wants us to do, Isaac said, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord. The second thing is this. For some of you, you said the worst possible fear you have is that you might lose a child. And God didn't just say, Abraham, you're going to lose your son. He said, Abraham, I'm going to need you to kill your son and then light him on fire. And Abraham said, God, I will do whatever you ask. And so he ties up Isaac, he puts him on the altar, he covers it in wood, he pulls out the dagger to stab his son, raises it above his head, and an angel yells, Abraham! And I have to read what happens right here out of the Bible, just because it's, it's so fantastic. He says this, At that moment, an angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! And Abraham replied, Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son. Abraham's fear of God is evidenced through his complete obedience to God. The fear of God is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. We see that with Abraham. Abraham, God says go, and Abraham goes. And God says wait, and Abraham doesn't wait. And he has that moment where he doesn't truly fear God. He doesn't really trust that God's going to give him a son, and he takes matters into his own hands, and he faces the consequence. And then 
He comes back into right standing with God. He begins to obey him again, offering up the most important thing in his life. And so right now, I'm going to just do something. We're going we're to create a little tension right now as we, as we wrap up. Uh, if you are here and you do not consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you, you don't claim to be a Christian, just know I'm not talking to you for the next two minutes. Listen in, but this is not for you. This is for people who say, I follow Jesus, I've given my life to him, but are doing some things on their own. They're not, they're not obeying God completely. When you leave here today, what's going to change? When you walk out of this room today, you get in the car, you go eat lunch, what are you going to change in your life? And if you say nothing, then let's just call it what it is. You don't have a healthy fear of God. And if you don't fear God, then you really have to ask, how well do we know God? And, and do you know the right God? And for others, you're going, I do have some things that need to change. And they're huge. There are some huge things. If you are here and, and you're sitting here and you're going, okay, but I'm living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and I know God doesn't want me to do that. Let me just speak some words from God to you right now. Move out or get married. Because God has something way bigger in store for you. He has something way better. But we can't learn about that. We can't learn what he has in store for us until we are obeying him. For someone else, you're here, and, and, and it's a money thing. And, and you've made some decision with money that now you're in a place where you don't, you don't want to tithe to God. You don't want to give God anything because you're going, I've worked hard for this. And quite frankly, if I do that, I don't know how I'm going to pay some of my bills. And God's saying, I have something bigger in store for you. And, and I want to bless you, and I want to use you to bless other people. But you can't, you can't have that happen until you're obeying God. And maybe for some of you, it's, a, it's something at work or, or with another family member. There's, there's been some lying, some cheating, some stealing going on, and you've made some decisions that have just created some separation between you and that person, and by default, you and God. And you need to have an awkward conversation, and there's going to be some tension, but you're going to be better for it. And where we start with this is just acknowledging that, that we have messed up and repenting and saying, God, I'm so, so sorry. Help me to get my life back on track in following you. Help me to know you and fear you. Now, now to those of you who are here and you aren't Christians, you are, are new here, you're just checking it out, you just heard me asking people to make some big changes. Like you asked them to move out of their house. You asked them to give up 10%. You ask them to be honest with their spouse about some stuff they really would rather not be honest about? Yes. But here's why. Because we believe that Jesus is what changes us. And that's not a change that we do on our own. And so if you're here, I'm not asking you to make that change because by your own admission, you're not following Jesus. But here's what I can tell you from experience is that when you're an adult and you start coming to church and you haven't been in a while, you typically don't go because everything in your life is awesome. You, you come to church because you thought life was going to be going this way and life is going this way. <laughs> and you're going, I got this business and it's not doing well and, and I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do a Hail Mary and go to church this week. I, I, I keep fighting with my wife or my husband our marriage is not doing well. We don't know what else to do. We need to go to church this week. And here's what I'm here to tell you. 
have the solution. The solution is Jesus. And I'm, I'm a children's pastor, and when you work with kids, you have to give them super direct, clear instructions or else things go horribly wrong. And so I'm just going to tell you exactly what's going to happen because you're sitting here today and you're going, something in my life needs to change and I don't know if I can do it. And so in just a minute, the band is going to come out and they are going to lead us in a song that celebrates that when we fear God and we obey God, we don't have to fear anything else. And we're going to stand up and sing that together and you're going to be standing there and you're going to think, I need a change in my life. And you're going to get up, and you're going to walk over to the side of the stage where someone's going to be waiting for you, and you're going to walk up and say, things in my life are not going as I would planned, and quite frankly, things kind of suck right now. But I want to change, and I don't know if I can do it. And here's what they're going to tell you. You can't on your own. But let me tell you, about Jesus and how Jesus changes us and what that means for our lives. And they're going to tell you all about Jesus and you're going to go, this sounds amazing. And you're going to go back uh, in, into another room where it's quieter so you can have a better conversation where it's going to say, this is what it looks like when you let Jesus change your life. And you're going to say, I want that. I don't want the addiction anymore. I don't want the troubled marriage anymore. I don't want to be dishonest with my business partners or with my customers or with my family anymore. And you're going to choose to follow Jesus. And then you're going to go and you're going to get changed into some shorts and a t-shirt that we already have ready for you. And you're going to come and get in this baptistry right here and someone's going to baptize you and they're going to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins and rose again? Are you ready to make Jesus Lord of your life? And you're going to say, yes! And you're going to go underwater for one second and you're gonna come back up. And this whole church is gonna go nuts in celebration for you because we are so excited for you. And you're gonna get out of the water, and you're gonna dry off. But it doesn't stop there, because then you're, you're gonna go, okay, but I'm still addicted to porn. And we're gonna connect you with Celebrate Recovery so that you don't have to face that by yourself. You're gonna go, okay, but my wife and I still can't stand each other. And we're going to connect you with a counselor and with maybe some marriage classes and some other people who have been through that and want to walk through that with you because that's the beauty of, of coming to Christ is that you gain a family who's been there and none of us did it by ourselves. We don't expect you to either. And so here is what we're going to do. We are going to stand up together right now. All of us, stand up if you are able we are going to worship God together. And if you have something that God is, is, is asking you to do, if there's some tension right now that you have in your heart, I just ask you to confront that tension. Have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with the person next to you. Because when we love God and we, and we respect God, then we fear God. And when we fear God, we obey God. And it's through that over and over again, obedience. We get to follow God, and it is amazing. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me? God, you are amazing. You're perfect. You're just. You are merciful. And we sometimes can't understand all of that about you. But God, we just come to you right now today to just, to just give you everything that we have. 
all the good that we have, all the good that you've blessed us with, we want to give that to you. But God, all the stuff that's just causing tension in our lives, all the stuff that's separating us from you and, and from those around us that we love. God, I just pray that we would give that to you right now. Pray for your grace. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.